here to talk about health and safety. Um, Brendan's job is very qualified for health and safety is that he spent a whole entire year on loan to the Council of Trade Union dealing with health and safety policy. Hannah's also quite qualified in health and safety. Um, I'm your rep. Well, yes, she's actually our right. Right. health and safety rep. <laughs> also, she's dealt with a few different sectors um, when it comes to health and safety. I know she's dealt with she has a bit of experience when it comes to work safe, agencies, and all of that. Um, so we just had a discussion on the health and safety system, why it's important, what is work safe, and what needs to be improved. So John, Anna, what is health and safety? Health and safety is everything. Health and safety is surprisingly broad. A lot of people think that health and safety is just about simple injuries like a cut or a slip or something. Much more than that. Um, we've seen it expand, and it now encompasses things like uh, like the social risks, so that bullying, harassment, um, fatigue is a risk. So that includes your breaks, making sure you finish on time, don't do craziness over time. Um, it includes things like facilities, like it's cold in this room right now. That's why we're both wearing jackets. Uh, <laughs> also so, includes things like customer abuse. Um, and sexual harassment, um, anything that can cause you harm. So health and safety is very important, um, and I think health and safety increased even more after the Pride River. Um, yeah, it did in this country. It was a real um, a turning point for us. It was a wake-up call. It was a, a terrible tragedy, uh, sort of catastrophic event when you have uh, multiple fatalities, and so that out of that came a independent task force and a royal commission. Department of Labour. No, it's just done by the Crown. It's the highest level of commission in our country. Um, so out of that, yeah, we got uh, a new piece of legislation, the Health and Safety Work Act, to replace the Health and Safety and Employment Act, and the Department of Labour was disbanded, and WorkSafe was created to take over health and safety. So there was a lot of changes as a result of that. Um, now we've all dealt with WorkSafe over the
putting at risk the health and safety of your colleagues and the public as well. Yeah, so one of the findings from even senior task force is that we have a risk tolerance culture. So it's a huge problem as you build it. That we just she'll be right. Yes, yeah, she'll be right. Yeah, don't worry about it. Walk it off. Just come and walk it off. But I think they could take a concrete pill and hide it up. So it's, it's we've got some very unhealthy attitudes in our society and our health and safety record is terrible compared to similar jurisdictions. That's only part of the problem, but we've got to remember that as a culture, we're bad at health and safety and we're dismissive about it. So as much as a tragedy as COVID has been, um, as Hannah has mentioned, it's very good that three folks can lose lives on being taken off your work. Now, um, being a union organizer and when it comes to dealing with health and safety, I've, I've heard comments from employers or even people that oh, the health and safety is so strict it really ties our hands on what we can do or can't do. Do you guys agree with that comment? No. No, it's total nonsense. So when, <laughs> when the Health and Safety Work Act came in, it was, um, passed under a national government and it was based on the Australian Model Act, but it was watered down and we didn't quite get everything and some parts were not as good as it could be. And businesses are afraid of it, but part of the reason they're afraid of it is because they don't understand it. I mean, obviously, if they seriously injure or kill someone, it could be significant financial consequences and it should be. But, yeah, the whole tying their hands is too much paperwork. It's nonsense from ignorant people who don't want to, who don't care about their workers, basically. And if you engage with it genuinely, it's, it's, it's not a lot of work. Like that's, that's really what it requires, is going into it with like an open mind and genuinely consulting with your workers. And what the biggest companies, what basically what big companies find is that they get a positive return on investment for the money spent on health and safety. So Explain that, because yeah. this could be good for us to see. So all those employees who doesn't take health and safety seriously. Yeah, so it's this, it's this um, small employer, big employer divide. Okay, so the big employer is big enough to see the results. So if a huge company invests $100,000 in health and safety, what they will tend to see is more than $100,000 in terms of productivity improvement. So it's worth them spending money on health and safety because doing things properly, reviewing your processes, engaging with your workers actually generates a whole lot of good ideas about how you can do things not just safer, well, safer and better. So big investments in health and safety for big companies are, are a positive thing, it's something they have to do if they get results out of it. Smaller companies, because the risk is um, spread across multiple companies, they don't see it. So you might have 10 small businesses all doing the same things wrong, and one of them will get someone injured and the other nine won't. And that's only luck, right? Kind of like Russian roulette that you're playing. A little bit, yeah. So that's why they have a different attitude because they can do things wrong and just you know cross their fingers. So if a big company, if they're doing things wrong, eventually someone's going to get hurt and it will be on them. You know, um, let's say, knock on wood, that um, a worker got so severely injured that it could at least to
what was I found interesting when I was listening to Pastor Tracy Act is that prior to the changes, um, it was actually in the interest of the company to not be aware of the health and safety issues because then they could claim ignorance and not be liable <coughs> for it. And the new changes mean that they actually have to be um, like aware of, of the health and safety infrastructure and the risks and whatnot. So they can be like investigated and prosecuted by a field commission. Have we actually had any companies in New Zealand that you guys know of that's been investigated and fined? Oh. Companies all the time, yeah. Yeah, we have a horrible, um, should we say, borrowing streak. Is that right? Yeah, we've got really, some really horrible debts and stuff that you see in a number of places. You see, these are the stuff that we don't hear about in the media. Which, I, to be honest, I think we should be, you know, talking about this more often because it is a risk. It's something people don't realise until it happens to someone with themselves or someone they know. And by then, to me, it's, it's too late for companies to do things that have found to turn things around. Now, um, I guess that's, you know, that's why we have health and safety at the end of that is to protect the workers. Um, there's a few things that companies can do, and we've always been emphasising on health and safety risks um, and health and safety committees. And we know there's a difference, and for the last couple of years we've been arguing with multiple employers the importance of health and safety risks and even educating our members. Where do you guys sit on health and safety risks and why? Why does this company listen to us and get health and safety risks? Not just for, you know, you mentioned before that get more in these terms, but why should workers get? Why should you as an individual worker or want to spend your time to be the health and safety risk for the company? If you're like directly affected by something um, and it's in your space and it's your work, you're going to be the best person to, to speak on it. So health and safety risks are from the workers that are affected like immediately by the health and safety issues around them. So if you're if you want to have like genuinely a healthy and safe workplace, like you need them involved and you need them empowered. They're the best to speak on the risks that they're facing. You can't like I can't like I can't comment on the risks that John faced in his role like John can because he's directly affected. I know he doesn't have that many risks that I can immediately think of. I've got a few but it's not work related. Yeah. Depending on what you 
those training through here as a health and safety rep. Um, and increasingly, you build qualifications through uh, the framework, the health and safety framework. And so you get you get credit um, you get papers um, for both jobs. 29305, I can't remember the title of it. Role function of a health and safety rep. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, so yeah, we've got a unit of standards that says we became health and safety rep. Um, so I haven't actually, yeah. I've never been elected. Yeah, that's not an acceptable response. So, 
That's a very polite So look, some some jobs do have inherent risk. Obviously, I think one of the best examples is a firefighter. Mm. Yeah, fires are risky. That's part of the job. Can't just stay back. Sorry, the risk thing. We can't go. But what you find is actually the firefighters have some of the best health and safety in the country because their job is so risky. They have some of the best um, work engagement. They've got some really on sort of reps. Uh, the company is constantly engaging with them and they're very, very aware of their safety. So the more risky a job is, the more um, an employer should be dealing with that risk. It's actually a case in um, came out of Australia where the police department uh, they had some defective PPE. They must have riot shields weren't working or something, or they got beaten up or their helmets gave way. Um, but anyway, the, the police department went into court and said, well, risk is part of the job. You know, the cops, there's violence out there. And the yeah, said, so well, don't forget Then you need to take, and the court said very clearly that's no excuse. If the job is risky, you need to take extra precautions. I guess this is how. Oh, but that's where worker engagement comes in. Like, workers will know this. Like, like I'm not a call center worker. Um, you know call center workers. If you ask your members, like, okay, like, we know that at some point there could be, like, some abuse of you guys over the phone. Like, what is it you need before then, after then? Like, what do you need to happen to mitigate that and reduce that? Like, they will have the answer. And this is why, you know, workers' engagement is a huge and very important um, part of health and safety. So, Hannah, your main, your main role at Unite is a cinema organiser. What are some health and safety risks a cinema worker could face? Um, Apart from the very dark setting, which happens to me all the time. You're not a worker, so. A lot of customer abuse and threats. I don't know what it is about cinemas, but. It's what do you mean threat? What are you saying? I didn't get my Star Wars ticket. I'm going to love Yeah, people that get very happens. emotional about the cinemas and about the prices and things. And like, members have had things like throwing at them. I had customers like throw punches at them. What? People following them to their cars after work. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. They're very upset about who knows about Avengers. Well, unfortunately, it's so bad. Yeah, and then John became a health and safety risk. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, customer abuse. I don't. Um, it's similar to um, like the levels of customer anxiety in airports, like I would say it's close to that. So customer engagement can be really risky sometimes. Um, also like fatigue, they're working on a late night, they're going to finish like 1am, 2am. Um, a lot of them pretty young, missing breaks, starting shift early and finishing late. Yeah. We, had a, um, we had a worker pass out when an air-conditioning unit went out, was that six hours ago? Yeah, 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 overheating from um, old equipment. Those big cinema um, venues, like they, they need a lot of like um, maintenance of temperature controls and things like that. So if a company gets slack on that, it gets behind, and it's the workers that feel that they're there for eight plus hours. What can a worker do in that situation? What can a worker do if well, you turn your back working at the cinemas and John is a very abusive customer because I don't know, I mean Star Wars was a crap <laughs> movie. Um, <laughs> And you get abused. What can you do as a worker? Is that like I remove myself from the situation. I'm not expected to stand there and keep taking the abuse. Um, that security gets called and John gets <laughs> promptly trespassed and escorted out. But that doesn't really happen, does it? 
really, sometimes it happens okay, other times, other times no. Um, why doesn't it happen? I think because the, I, it's I, like yeah, the expectations is that that abuse is so part of the job. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's, it's like oh, that's a shame. Like um, sorry that happened, but you know, just back to it. Offer them these complimentary tickets. Um, the other thing is that, and I've seen a lot of workers, especially younger workers, we've seen quite a lot of similar sort of the age of the workers, is that feel afraid yeah. from their managers as a call centre, and I've seen many cases in call centre licences where the agents hang up on an abusive customer, but they ended up being disciplined for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a very disgusting culture that a lot of workers kind of got stuck in their mind, I will be penalised for removing myself from a risky situation. Yeah, the problem is the company will try that on, and you probably have had that happen in the past, mm -hmm. but it's thoroughly unlawful. So what every worker needs to remember you know, from day one of their job is that they have the right to seek unsafe work. Um, and they should do so as soon as things aren't safe. There's no point in risking your health in some company, right? Your life well. is more important. Yeah, it is. And it, <laughs> it's not just your life. It can be, you know, it can be your sanity. It can be, you know, it's an injury. It's not worth it. So people need to, people need to seek unsafe work and they have an absolute right to do that. And they can't suffer consequences as a result of it. So any disciplinary they put through, any warning is unlawful, and the, there are never vows will come down on that company for doing that. For sure. Um, now, speaking of a huge health and safety risk, the one I have in my mind is the big massive growth that is buyer. Now, there were a lot of companies, um, I remember me, Hannah, and a few of other colleagues were actually running around CBD the day after the fire trying to shut all of these places down. Um, and it was, it was hard. I mean, we could go into one store and got everything agreed, but the minute we walk out, these places are up and running again. Uh, am I allowed to name and shame them? Yeah, um, Starbucks and Queen Street, as an example, they were, because of where their doors were facing, it was right there on the bottom of that hill, all that smoke was coming in, and all they did was shut one door and open another. They just closed the Eventually, but after it, gone for quite a while. it really shouldn't. Have come to that. Yeah, you're right. Like I think common sense. Yeah. Well, well, no, let's not say common sense because a lot of people might say isn't health and safety just common sense? No, it's not. But Why in that situation, I, I think like what we saw there, right, is like we saw like people were waiting to be told from the people above them that they needed. But it shouldn't be that. I mean, we yeah. all have responsibilities. Like, if it's unsafe, you have a right. Yeah, you just do. get out. And yet these workers knew it wasn't safe, but they still stayed. Why isn't it common sense here? If I see a building burning next to me, I'm running the hell out of there. So <laughs> a lot of workers don't know that they have the right to seek work. Um, if they did, they might still be afraid of consequences. And also they're in a culture, uh, it's a hierarchical culture where they're used to following orders, waiting for instructions and doing what they're told. And they might not live their life that way, but for you know, eight hours a day or whatever, that's the environment they're in. And so they're not used to breaking that chain of command in order to do what is right and what is safe for them. So what we saw in Auckland last October was really a tale of um, two economies. So the public sector shut down. You worked for the government, the government said, don't go into Auckland. Auckland City is toxic, it's dangerous. And all government services basically just shut down and didn't go into the city. Every private, a lot of the private sector who are motivated by profit, who want to keep running, they called their staff in, they kept operating, they served food that was contaminated with smoke, it was awful. 
when there's when you when it's it's specifically best practice to respond to risk. Like, well, I think if you see smoke, get out. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it doesn't matter that it's the next building that's on fire because everybody knows now in yeah. modern day that smoke is what's dangerous and what kills you. No one burns to death. People yeah. asphyxiate and die. Like a lot of our, I remember the companies we went around and they said, I've told them they can leave if they want to. And all of them were too uncomfortable to leave. If you do feel it's dangerous, get out of that situation. Um, and I'll provide my main message that if you do, you know, if you do get yourself, if you do get yourself into a situation where you have to leave because you're in danger, health and safety wise, give me a call if anything happens, we'll back you up on that. Um, and I think that is something I think every worker needs to know that if, if you evacuate or you choose work because of health and safety reasons, you are protected. Um, now, it brings back, um, the whole fire has also shed a light on the whole WorkSafe system. Now, John, you mentioned in the start, WorkSafe was created or replaced an older system. Now, I don't really remember the old system. Um, it was more the organisation. So, the Department of Labour, a part of the Department of Labour was responsible for health and safety, and it was um, under the Ministry of Business Innovation and Employment. Uh, so they were disbanded um, because it was Pike River, which shows systemic problems in the health and safety system, and WorkSafe was incorporated after that. So they did more of the tender from the Ministry. Okay. Um, now I know you have a, we all have our opinions and thoughts, and we're discussing quite a lot about WorkSafe. And to me, WorkSafe has failed my members on multiple occasions, um, both you know, with the fires and some other incidents in the CBD. Um, the response I got from WorkSafe was just... The Augusta building incident? Yes. Um, there were a few disgusting instances that left a bit of taste in my mouth. Um, what's your guys thought on WorkSafe? And, and the other part of how does it compare to the old Department of Labor? I'm going to struggle with that because I wasn't I've got nothing to do with the Department of Labor. Nice out, John. <laughs> okay, well, so none of us... I'm not, well, I don't want to go back to the good old days, because apparently they weren't very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That is, yeah. Uh, but, you know, we can definitely comment on WorkSafe. Um, so currently we're very disappointed with WorkSafe's performance around the production fire and around the um, COVID, particularly the reopening, going from level four down to level three. So what we've seen is that the workplace not responsive in an emergency. Um, so when the city was covered in smoke, it was not going around like people had closed down their smoke-filled premises. Mm -hmm. It was not prosecuting them. Um, and under COVID, what we saw when the fast foods reopened and all the workers were saying this is safe, there's no social distancing, there's no contactless um, pickup. Uh, again, WorkSafe didn't respond to that. So we're seeing them not responsive to emergencies, which it's raises the question job. if they're not going to do it to us. So it's really shown a huge gap, uh, a gaping hole in our health and safety system that when there is an emergency, it doesn't look like anyone apart from emergency services will be there for workers. So it's not in a legal sense of holding employers accountable for the risk that they're putting workers under. So if that's not working, what can a worker do? Because, you know, we're still at the risk of Going back. So workers need to organise and they need to cease work. So we can talk about getting health and safety risk trained, um, 
struggle to think about, well, actually, I don't feel comfortable, I'm sweating a lot, but but other people are still working and are being told to work, and so people don't know when, where to draw the line. And in fact, there isn't a line. There's no line in terms of temperature that you can actually reduce the people in it. It's contextual. But what people need to do is they need to act collectively. So when the first person feels a little bit faint, everybody leaves together. And that solves the problem. As soon as the workers walk and no work is being done and no money is being made, that's when problems get solved. And that's something um, we say to our workers is that if you do it collectively, they can't fire all of you. They can't fire any of you if you do it individually. But it's about it's about the shift in power and it's about the mentality. One person isn't going to want to let the team down and go against their manager to keep themselves safe. But if everybody agrees this is safe, we need to stop, and they act collectively, then they're protected. And it's not just I don't mean protected legally. It's more psychological than that. Mm. It's also more effective. Like if you have a department that has stopped working, everyone else has gone to work in another area. They're going to get a portable AC unit really quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to get what you want, isn't it? Um, now we talk about how WorkSafe has failed workers in you know, global pandemics and like Auckland fires. What my question is that what do we want from WorkSafe and how and what should we do moving forward? Because so it needs a lead or get out of the way, in my opinion. So we're seeing it a third time. So currently we've got a second outbreak of um, COVID, and it's not a bad outbreak. It's in quarantine facilities, mm -hmm. isolation facilities, but it's facilities that we but we do. Have I remember we were all running around. I had the 
Australia from an ornithologist. Mm. Which you know, we thought we thought that well, it was only luck that we could um, have watched. Do you think with COVID and everything that has happened, um, there's going to be a change or reform or another change in workplace? I know we're hoping for either workspace and start doing the job better. It's kind of a question about how quickly. I mean, workspace is is trying to incrementally improve, but it's a question of whether that will be enough or whether something more fundamental takes place. And as much as I would like to say that this um, pandemic has sharpened people's minds about health and safety, it's also making an easy re-election to the government look very likely, which means it's not going to come under a lot of pressure around yeah. policies or any particular calls for reform. So. Well, we would love to see some welfare reform. Um, we'd love to see some health and safety reform. There's not much angle of pressure to government where it's looking like it's going to be a bit tough to do with mm. Now, we do have election planned for the future, um, closer to election time um, on that, and we can maybe have a roundtable discussion on elections. Um, like I said, another video, which isn't public yet, is that we're a union that's not affiliated with any political party, so we do have the freedom to com uh, comment whether any political party is right or wrong. Um, so that is something we'll definitely talk about. And look, it would be great if the government can come down a bit harder on work safe and even employers when it comes to dealing with workers' health and safety. Personally, it's, in the Chinese saying is, is that kill the chicken, so the monkey. Um, I know it makes no sense in English. Say it in Chinese. Sa <laughs> um, jiga, oh, which means literally kill. Now I understand. Yeah, I'm talking about <laughs> the monkey. Um, but it's, you know, I said make an example. I think we should make an example out of these employees who have been prosecuted. And I think that is something we should let others know that this could be you if you don't. It's, it's something they are doing, but I don't think they're doing it right. So WorkSafe does prosecute and prosecute successfully. It has a very good success rate. I actually think its success rate is too high. They should take more work. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, it's like that thing, yeah. in, that, that thing in poker, if you never get caught, then you're not bluffing enough. Right. Sorry, John, I don't think we gamble enough for that, but... Anyway, we'll go back to kill the chicken, show the monkey. No, I feel like I've got to say a thing as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, if, <laughs> if someone dies at work, there is normally an investigation, and if they think that they can prosecute, they do. The problem is, is that there's a lot of injuries going on around there, a lot of negative health consequences happening at the lower level, mm -hmm. and that's where they are. Yeah. They're not supporting unions, they're not supporting workers, they're not firing off those lower level prosecutions or those infringement uh, notifications that come with a fine to the everyday breaches. So companies can are starting to learn that as long as they don't kill or maim anyone, they can probably <laughs> get away with it. So That's I think not good enough because a lot of these health risks come with a long term side effect. And yeah. that's something people don't realise. If you don't spend your cook you know, standing for 16 hours a day, eventually that's going to be a health risk for you. Eventually. No, I don't know. Third degree burns aren't notifiable incidents. So, like, I think third degree burns are important and they shouldn't happen. Personally. I don't know what third degree burns are. It's got to do with the depth that it goes through the yeah. legs. So we'll talk about that. Um, one more thing we want, I want like to come back to in, the, in a future podcast is, um, is health and safety risk and ACT. Um, we, keep, we always tell our members it's important to be a health and safety risk, it's important to be a health and safety risk, but it's not quite, um, I know in certain places it's, 
awful, but the majority of places that I can think of were still a huge gap. Um, so I wouldn't mind if we can just, if we talk about that and how worse it should be, how to take the risk, and just a bit more details on what training should be provided. Because that's the other problem is that people don't know that there are paid trainings that work at Kendoshi. So if we do that and people like, want to hear more about it, um, let us know if you don't want to hear anything more about health and safety. Too bad, we're going to keep doing health and safety because it's important. Um, so I think we're going to wrap today up unless you two have anything else you want to talk about. Uh, I think what I was going to say about WorkSafe is that WorkSafe needs to be like a sector. You know, it needs to be something that employers are afraid of. And if employers get away with something and the worker says, oh, well, I'm going to go full work safe, and the worker doesn't do anything. Mm. That's like crying wolf. Mm, yeah, and the workers and the, the employer will start to ignore health and safety. Like, I really think that they need to do the little things right. And also, the wait time for work safe <laughs> to reach you. Um, I remember calling work safe, and I think I was on the phone for like over an hour just waiting for someone to report out. Oh no, it wasn't at all. No, it wasn't urgent. No, so it is a something that you know it needs to improve, and I hope people watch this or listen to this and understand why it's important to have health and safety, especially in a time where we are going, where we're still in a global pandemic, and who knows, we could have another type of flu coming our way very soon. That's what the news tells us is true. Apparently, there's another strand of swine flu. <laughs> but it is something for the world. <laughs> <laughs> the cigarette is isn't it? Um, but it is something that people need to know. Um, if you are in danger, if you if you are facing a health or safety issue, stop work. Yeah. Your employer has to legally provide for you like a health and safety response. So as soon as you don't have that, they're already breaching their obligations. And who can, if work isn't going to work for workers, who else can they come? Yeah, I think what we were saying before, um, they need to contact each other. They need to act solutions with they need to seek work until they're certified to escape. So we are our own best support when it comes to health and safety. Yeah, well, it's not easy. We've got psychological hurdles to get over, so we've got to organise, but yes, workers can protect themselves by just walking away from work. I think that's a good takeaway message for our workers. Um, thank you very much.